Welcome to Stop Back and Roll, a podcast about making a list, checking it twice, and then rewriting your basic moves. I'm James. And I'm Brandon. Today we're going to be going through the first steps of making a cohesive Powered by the Apocalypse game. You know, there's part of me that feels like we just jump in. I don't think we've gotten any okay. news to talk about or anything like that. Um, no, I don't think I so. I mean, we could talk about like your Urban Shadows game that's going on or that has finished at that's, this point. It's finished, yeah. Uh, I played a game played of masks a, on a Discord server that I really enjoyed. I played Monster of the Week. Ooh, nice. How was that? Uh, it was interesting. Cool. Uh, it's not really, I think, my favorite PBTA game. Okay. Well, it, it's an early one. Uh, it's that's definitely a first generation PBTA yeah. game. Yeah, there were no um, there were no playbooks that like really jumped out at me. Like mm. when I look at all the masks playbooks, or even really when I look at the um, the Apocalypse World playbooks, oh, there are gosh. playbooks that jump out at me. Yeah, uh, but Monster of the Week kind of just didn't grab me. Okay, I don't know that that's necessarily super your genre anyway. Eh, I don't, it's a it's okay. I like it. Yeah. Enough. Okay. Um. It's um as soon as I said that I started thinking about media things that I know you like and I'm like why did you say that Brandon that's not at all yeah. true. Um so I'm playing a mummy. I'm nice. playing a monstrous. I'm playing a mummy. Uh we're in a, like a really cool old uh early setting that they have that this group has played a couple different campaigns in. Cool. It's like set in the 1920s in a in a world Ooh. where the prohibition also pro- prohibits magic. Okay, nice. And this is a world that has like openly had magic. Yeah. For years. And so we are part of the the Bureau of Prohibition that uh that is is hunting people who use magic. Nice. Cool. Stuff like that. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I played a little Masks game online. I played as the star, uh, which is such a fun playbook, but that's mm-hmm. especially a fun playbook if you go in and say, like, from the beginning, my character is genuinely a superhero. Yeah. So I I got to yell at somebody because they suggested that I wasn't a superhero, and it was good. <laughs> but I've also been working on a game, which has me thinking yeah. about how you structure beginning to work on a game. All right. Then let's talk about that. Yeah. It's called Segway for World transition? for those. <laughs> oh. Everyone has two two wheeled vehicles that. Uh, I'm glad that. Um... So here's what I'm working on. I've been working for a little okay. while on a horror game. Um, we've talked about it yes. a little bit. We've talked about like some of my wants and needs for it, but it hasn't been going anywhere. And part of the yeah. reason for that is that I haven't been working on it. Like all my games. Oh, like, a little bit like that. Yeah. And like, I think that there is a mindset within game design that if you're kind of passively thinking about a game, that you mm-hmm. are working on it. Right. And on That's s- why I'm working on a bunch of games. Yeah, exactly. And on some level, I agree with that, to be honest. <laughs> uh, there are so many things that I sat and thought about something for a while and mm. didn't write anything down. And two weeks later, I was like... And here's a fully formed mechanic that I've come up with. I am one of those people who like specifically, I need to like, I don't write things down and like we talk about stuff. I was, yeah. t- I was talking to someone in the discord the other day about how like my, the hardest part of my game design yeah. is actually this podcast <clears throat> because my brain goes, okay, let's think of some ideas. 
oh, we just talked about them. Yeah. Now they're out there. They're recorded. I don't need to remember them anymore. Yeah. And so I would have to like go back and sit there and listen to the episode and take notes on my own thoughts in order to get there. But I am definitely the kind of person who sits and like just chugs through a game in my brain. And then one day we'll just be like, and here's the game. There's a whole theory in cognitive psychology that has to do with not telling people your goals. Because mm-hmm. when you tell people your goals, you get an endorphin rush. Yep, which is the same that. as succeeding at your goals. <laughs> yep. That's why I always lie about my goals. Yeah, that's why you've got your secret game that you've unfortunately told me about, so it hasn't happened yet. Uh, yep. But this this podcast is in some way where game design goes to die. <laughs> <laughs> which is which is not our goal, but you know, it's where my game design goes to die, but everyone else's starts. Yeah, yeah. So. Well, mine, mine starts, and then as soon as I start talking about what I'm doing, it is gone. Um, yeah. But that very much aside, uh, I realized that what I was doing with this game is I was writing in ways that aren't productive. And part of that is that I was just kind of going with, hey, what's exciting to me, instead of following any sort of guiding list, right? If you are trying to pack for something, for example, and you just grab the thing that you are thinking of in this moment, you Mm -hmm. could very well, like, arrive someplace and be like, oh, I did not bring any pants. And Mm, now I'm pantsless and I don't have my game. And this is terrible. But the reason that I think when you're making a game, you should really be paying a lot of attention to the order is that so much of it is built upon itself, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so I've come up with a little list that is my so you're making a PBTA game list. <laughs> I, I do want to add that, that I think that the the best way to think about this is actually like it's a it's a because it's a packing it's bringing a packing weirdly like jived with my cool. brain because the thing that I do when I pack especially for uh for when we when we record places yeah is I I will first start with like okay we're recording for four people so I need four microphones right well then how do I re- how do I connect those microphones to something so I need four cords mm-hmm. and then how and then what are they connecting to the recorder and then how are we listening to that the headphone amp and then how does the headphone amp get power it gets the power cord and the plug and the same for the the re- and so I just like move through the whole web of everything I need exactly because it's all connected and you start with the side that has your necessities. Yeah. Because if you started with the power cord, you might end up with the wrong yeah. amount of mics. So you got to mm-hmm. figure out the things that you need to know mm-hmm. you have the things that you need. Yeah. I wrote this up. I put it on the Discord. And I'm going to produce 25 seconds of very boring audio as I read okay. off the list in the order that I think you go through it. So here is the order that I propose for making your game. Genre. True genre, basic move types, basic moves, currencies, basic moves, GM agenda, playbook list, GM principles, basic moves, playbook moves, basic moves, playbook villains, basic moves, playtesting, basic moves, currencies, playbooks, crowdfunding, playtesting, and publication. Okay. And if you just do those, you're done. All right. Those last three don't sound familiar. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I've encountered any of those, uh, at least in my own work. <laughs> Some of these don't sound like real things. Uh, like, what is the difference between genre and true genre? Okay, so this is a distinction that I'm making. And, like, this is not based on anybody else's description of what something is, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Urban Shadows uh, by Andrew Medeiros and Mark Diaz Truman. Right. That is... Urban... 
urban fantasy. It's urban fantasy on the surface, right? It's genre is urban fantasy. Yeah. And then underneath too. It's really about gentrification. Ah, okay. And so, like, ultimately what the game is about, if you look at the moves, if you look at how the playbooks are constructed, they're primarily about how different groups move in on similar territories. And there are some playbooks that are really, really, really explicit about that, like the werewolf, which is gentrification, Mm -hmm. the playbook, uh, or really anti-gentrification, the playbook. Uh, But ultimately, the entire game is built around that idea. Right. So you can play Urban Shadows without intending to do a gentrification story. But you'll almost definitely touch on those themes by accident because that's what the game is about. In the same way... Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, in my... I did not think about that game that way. And in the game that I just ran of Urban Shadows, I kind of did. A lot of it was... Well, like, a lot of my storyline was specifically about, like... Uh, the proletariat vampires rising up against the sort of like ruling class pro- uh, vampires. Yep. But there was a bunch of subplots about demons moving in on territory mm-hmm. and and the fairies making a play for the the area, knowing that the vampires were going to be in 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 strife. Yeah, and then the and then the werewolves who were like the biker gang just being like, "Yo, everyone, just cool down." Yeah, and so like having that kind of genre that your stories are going to center around that is going to automatically come through and play is an important part of making your experience of PBTA games or really any kind of game different yeah. from a I'm hitting the guy with my sword simulator. Because you could, like, like the true genre for D&D is dungeons. a... Is dungeons. No, it's... Just dungeons. <laughs> it's, there's two dragons. The genre is dungeons and dragons. True genre. The true genre is just dungeons. Basic moves, dungeon, dragon. Yep. Um, It's my Dungeons and Dragons Lasers and Feelings hack. <laughs> Don't even have to change the name. Done. Nope. It's done. Dungeons. Uh, dungeons or dragons. I mean, the real genre for that game is a, col- is a pro-colonialist genre. Yeah. Like, that is not probably what they intended. But if you play the game, if you play D&D, you're playing in a game that is pro-colonialism. 99% of the time. And so if they had written the game explicitly accepting that and paying attention to that, then you could hit those themes really, really well. Uh, and if you try to play the game and pretend that doesn't exist while playing within the regular rules it's going to sneak its way in. And so like having an awareness of what it is you're writing, what your mechanics imply makes a huge difference in the feel at the table. Monster hearts. Yeah. It's about teenage. Uh, yeah. It's about teenage romance. It's specifically about queer teenage romance, and it is intended to be specifically about queer teenage romance and specifically about queer identity. And if you sit yeah. down at the table, trying to tell a non-queer story, or I mean, if you sit down at the table and you're not intending to tell a queer story, you'll probably end up telling a queer story anyway. Um, one of the good, a, a great example of that uh, is Adam Cobal, um, who wrote Dungeon World, mm-hmm. was talking about uh, the uh, talking about Monster Hearts and the turn someone on move. Yeah, and how one of the things that it doesn't specify is like anything like you, you when someone turns. So when you roll to turn someone on. They don't have a say in that. Yeah. 
because it's about teenagers and like teenagers don't necessarily have a say in who turns them on. Mm-hmm. And so if you are, if you're like, oh, I'm going to make this character and they're going to be like super straight. And then like a person who is the same gender as you rolls to turn you on and they succeed. Then it like, happened. It, it happens. Yeah. You have, and, and how he was saying how like as someone who is like struggling with his sexuality early on, didn't like that game, like didn't like the move, didn't like that mm-hmm. like lack of control. And he kind of said, it's just because it like, it's too true. <laughs> and like now as someone who is sort of like reconciled and like has a more mature adult sort of belief structure about their own sexuality, yeah. it was like, oh my God, this is so good. Yeah. This move is like perfectly, it is the queerest move I've ever seen. It's, it really is fantastic in that regard. It, it does exactly what it's supposed to do. And like, you could see how you could write a romance move that doesn't do that. Yeah. That is because that isn't what your true genre is. If you don't get what that is. Right. So that's what I'm talking about there. Well, that's what, that's what intimacy moves in or not intimacy moves, but like team moves and stuff in masks are Yeah, because almost all of them ask a question and then the other person has to answer. They're a participant. Yeah. Masks masks isn't about being superheroes. It's about trying to figure out who you are. But in a way where you're trying to figure out who you are. And, and so when when people act on you, mm-hmm. you get to be a participant in that. It's not the, the story about queerness that, Ma- that Monster Hearts is. Yeah. Where when people act on you, things happen and you don't necessarily have control. Yeah. It's, it's ultimately more no, about no. yourself determining who yourself is in that moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that is... As an aside, yeah. <laughs> we we could do we could easily do an hour on just that, right? Yes. So, horror is was kind of the genre I was looking at, right? Mm-hmm. And as I started to look at things, I wasn't feeling something real coming through in it. Yeah. Until I started thinking about some of the specific like genres of horror, right? I'd kind of been going for just like a slasher thing, just sort of let's do some slasher Mm -hmm. media. But ultimately as I started paying more attention to it, I started looking at the game being about choice about kind of like two big topics, like choice and how choice shrinks until you have to are like pushed into situations that you have to do things that you might not want to do. And also about like kind of, horror through exposure and like playing into some like social media things. And so I started thinking about um, the augmented reality games and things like Marble Hornets or Everyman Hybrid, like the, the Slender Man stuff and kind of started to build based off of that. And then ideas started like really coming together in a much more real way. Right. Cause it wasn't just like, I need a move of someone trying to not get stabbed, which <laughs> Like, you can do, but ultimately, kind of. where else is that going, right? I see what you're saying. So, what is, so then what would, how would you define the true genre of this game that you're working on? I guess... Or have you not gotten there yet? This is something that can also, like, can also refine as you go, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I know that because it's one of my projects, it is about media simulation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> As opposed to one of my projects, which is about dinosaurs. I'm sorry, I was unprepared. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, everyone is unprepared. 
No one, no one, everyone thinks no. He couldn't possibly make another game about dinosaurs. That's ridiculous. (laughs) And yet I I keep pumping out these horrible, tiny. Not horrible. And he couldn't base them all off of children's (laughs) games. That's crazy. They're so on brand. Have I made my dinosaur game based off of pickup sticks yet? Because that's been knocking around my head for a while. Oh my god! I'm talking about games. So okay, genre so, of dinosaurs. True genre of pickup sticks. Yeah. So, uh, so I, I think what I want to start tackling in it is is that it's ultimately about how we display ourselves in an online space okay. and how we present ourselves and how we present situations in ways that uh, can be more positive that don't show our actual mental state and things like that, Mm -hmm. which sounds like it's maybe a big, a big thing to try to grab. But I think that ultimately a lot of the like creepy pastas and things like that, that I am Mm -hmm. taking things from are about mental health and about like loneliness and about, Mm. people posting all of their most secret scared thoughts online and having those available to the audience, to everybody while keeping it away from people that like are close to them in their regular life. Hmm. That's interesting. And about loneliness and being killed by a man with no face. Yeah. 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 Who's very slender. Very, very slender. (laughs) So let me ask you this question hit me um so is the so okay so you so as you're doing this you're thinking about your genre which is sort of like your big picture and then your true genre which is like what is the game actually about yeah is the intent there of of separating those two thoughts that the idea being your basic moves your kind of your and and to broaden this out from just pbta for example for a second at least yeah um that like your core, like as you are thinking about game design, you, one of the first things you do is thinking about like, what is it about? And then what are the core mechanics? What are the things that my players are going to be doing? Like, what is that? Is the idea that, that you want to aim those basic moves or core mechanics towards your true genre, not your real genre? Is that what you're getting at here? It kind of is. The bigger thing that I want as the takeaway from this list that I've put together is that at every step, you have a minimum viable product. Okay. So you could, for example, sit down and tell a story based on the genre. You could sit down with your friends and say, hey, let's tell a story, horror story together. And you could do that. You could sit down with your friends and say, hey, let's tell a horror story. I want to talk about social media and like Mm -hmm. how we present ourselves. And you could do that. If you start with playbooks and you start writing like the details of the playbooks, then it's a little weirder because I guess you could say like, hey, uh, you're the jock, you're the this, but you still have to have genre first, right? And ideally, you should know what you're doing because, like, starting out with things like the jock, the nerd, whatever, might be fitting of your genre, your overall idea, but not fitting of the true genre. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Because, like, when I was initially thinking in the horror way, I was going to go with, like, straight up the horror stereotypes. Mm-hmm. But that isn't where that other one, where that other idea plays, right? Yeah. So it's less that you want to be aiming at the true genre and more that there is sort of a Venn diagram yeah. of the two and you want to hit the things that are in the middle, like having mm-hmm. just horror moves, like 
try not to be stabbed yeah wouldn't necessarily play in a true in your in your true genre and so they're less important yeah that's kind of my thinking so from there i move on to basic move types there is a bit of kind of like practical wisdom that Mm -hmm. for a pbta game you want enough moves that it covers the material few enough moves that it's accessible Mm-hmm. The magic number lots of people throw around is seven basic moves. Now, there's lots and lots like of games lot that break that. Basic moves. What? That's a, that sounds like a lot of basic moves. Here's James's conventional wisdom. Four. Four basic moves? Four basic moves. Okay. If your whole game can't be summed down into four basic moves, why don't you just write a D20 game? So I mean, come on. How many, how many moves do you think that Masks has without cheating? Okay, so I can do this another way. What are the um, the labels? Mm-hmm. You have uh, freak, danger, superior, danger, savior, superior, and mundane. Savior, freak, danger, superior, savior, mundane. Did I miss one? Nope, that's it. Freak, superior. There should be five. So there, so there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. There's seven basic moves. Okay. Uh, there's technically under the heading for basic moves. There's eight because it also has oh. take a powerful blow as a basic move. Oh, I forgot that. I, I, I just <laughs> I know that there are one. There's one basic move for every one of the labels, yeah. except w- I think mundane has two. Mm-hmm. And then I counted team and or t- the team move. Oh, superior also has two. Oh, OK. Yeah. So I was off by one then. Um, I was actually off by two. But like there's other moves involved that are used all the time. But they're mm, like not the team like the team move, but they're mm-hmm. not the moves that the players generically trigger on their own. Mm-hmm. And I would say take a powerful blow shouldn't be listed as a basic move. It makes sense in terms of formatting, but it isn't the things that the players are playing towards. Mm-hmm. And that in my but mind also, is what the basic moves are. Also. Also. Yeah. Um, unleash your powers. Get out of here. That's not a basic move. <laughs> that is a basic um, move. Nope, get out of here. It's not a basic move. Assess the situation, not a basic move. Um, oh, you're saying for directly, your, for your directly James engage method. a threat. Directly engage a threat is a basic move, is a valid basic move. Okay. Comforter support is a valid basic move. Um, maybe pierce the mask, but definitely defend, provoke someone is a basic move. So, so you've got five? Uh, engage, engage a threat, comfort and support, Pierce the mask, defend, and provoke. Those are your five basic moves. So you don't want and pierce the mask is arguably. So you don't want any powers for determining what's going on in your environment. I think that those should be playbook specific. Okay, okay. Those aren't basic moves. I disagree. <laughs> this is my hot beef with with masks right here. Yeah, well, that, that got is, too many basic moves. That's a firm take to be taken. Yep. Um. Okay, I will say. Also, this is this is like if we're talking about like if we're previewing. I'm I'm really slowing down. Just getting through this list. But if we're talking, you're like perception checks. No, um, no, (laughs) no, um, because those should be playbook specific. Okay, I will argue that. I just think that so many more things should be playbook specific. But that's me. If you're doing basic moves, like you have basic moves here, like every other step for like half of the way through here. Yes, and your thing, your things like assess the situation, your things like take a powerful blow unleash your powers those should all be like in the last stages of adding basic moves i'm talking about 
you want to have four core basic moves when you start. Okay. That's how I feel. I can I can see that. And you know what? I think you could make a game that every playbook has its own assess the situation that could be really good. To be quite honest, I think every playbook having its own assess the situation could be really cool for a game about investigating horror things. I also don't know if I well, okay. I also don't know if I want every playbook to have an assess situation. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, also fair. Monster Hearts... I think only there should be characters who can't assess the situation. In Monster Hearts, there's only one playbook that has an assess the situation move, and it's the werewolf. Yeah. I don't know if that's yeah, true for that Monster sense. Hearts 2 anymore. Uh, okay, but I like that. See, that's true. That's good. Yeah. I like that. And that's hitting that there true are, genre. All I'm saying is, there are some <laughs> assumptions about what you should be able to do generically as anything in any role-playing <laughs> game and i'm asking you to question those assumptions like should i be should, should I, like, I be able to oh make no, a perception there's no check. mechanic to look around should i make a perception check should i be able to attack something like should i be able to engage with other people around me and ask yourself is that important to your game is it core is it really core <laughs> well so that coming brings in us hot <laughs> coming in real hot that actually brings us really nicely into the basic move types, which is the third option Mm -hmm. thing on my list. There are games that are about punching things. There are games that are not about punching things. There are games about investigation and games that ultimately do not function super well for investigation. That said, there's kind of three Mm -hmm. big categories you want to be sure you can hit in your game. You probably want some physical moves. Unless your game is explicitly about things where physical stuff does not matter. James, your secret project, I could see it having Mm -hmm. no physical moves. If you were telling a story that was like, I know I'm worried I'm going to accidentally give hints and I'm not trying to. No, there are, there are exactly two times or two scenarios in which in my secret game, you would need to do something physical and they, are not frequent and they can be and they are done by the same type of person so it would be the same playbook mm, yeah so it could just be a playbook move well i mean like so like, let's Actually, say two different playbooks probably let's say you're doing a you're, you're making a game about podcasters uh the physical requirements of podcasting are not super, super high super, super high you'll need a lot high. of that's why we're all jacked you'll need a lot of I mean, physical combat moves because when podcasters meet each other they throw down if you can't it's like the that scene in is it a predator where uh, arnold schwarzenegger and carl weathers see each other for the first time and they do the most <laughs> aggressive met like uh energetic uh high five handshake ever you feel it like the whole forest rumbles a little bit that's like what every time two podcasters meet that's what it's like yeah but but then they they do clasp hands and then start punching each other in the face over and over again it's yeah. it's way yeah. more aggressive yeah. for podcasters yeah yeah that's why you got to have that fight move absolutely um but getting real if you're okay. telling a game about if you're running a game about podcasting if you're running a game about I don't know, uh, sorting archival materials, then, yeah, that could be fun. You don't, you don't need a combat move. If combat happens, then you can figure it out yourself, but you don't want to even put into the idea of the players like, hey, you should be fighting things because you shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but you might want a physical move of some kind. If you're a podcaster that might have to break into a abandoned library to do a recording with some archival specialists, then you might need to have a physical move for that. 
So physical, you probably need. Social, you definitely need. There isn't a PBTA-style game that you wouldn't need some kind of a social move. Uh, additionally, you almost always want to have some kind of a mental move. Mental moves are things like assess the situation, uh, pierce the mask is kind of somewhere between social and mental. Uh, so sometimes I've seen the mental moves described as investigation moves. I don't necessarily agree that that's always the case, but like, you know, you want to have like kind of your spheres of influence of what are the things in your game that moves should be based on. Mm -hmm. And then you want to kind of make things lean towards that. Uh, if you think of dungeon world, it has so many combat moves. It's like 60% combat moves. Because that game ultimately is about combat. Uh, Masks has three really solid moves that are about combat. And one that plays into it a lot. Because it's about that a lot. It also has three really, really social moves. And only one mental move. Because it doesn't want you to sit there and make plans. It doesn't want mm -hmm. you to spend a ton of time trying to figure stuff out. It wants you to go get social and go get fighting and do those things. So my game's got definitely a focus on some of the investigation moves. Those investigation moves need to be really strong. But it also needs a lot of focus on moves that deal with the emotions of what's going on within the horror. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that I it definitely needs some physical moves. It does not need combat moves. Yeah. Because... Punch your computer screen. What? Punch your computer screen. Yeah, exactly. Or, because, like, honestly, what you don't want is you don't want a player go looking down at their character sheet and saying, okay, I punched Slenderman. Because, like... I want to punch Slenderman. James, don't punch Slenderman. Um, or, if that happens, it should be clear that it's not, like, so then you win. Right? This isn't yeah. Monster of the Week. Yeah. No, no, no. I like the... Here's a quick aside. Yeah. The thing that I want more than anything else is a game that starts like your game, mm -hmm. where you can't punch Slenderman and you have to run and be sad. Yeah. And then half late, or like two-thirds of the way through, <laughs> then it changes over to Dark Heresy. <laughs> and, and you've got your Gatling gun and your power armor, and now Slenderman better run. <laughs> it's the catharsis of fighting the thing with a giant Gatling gun that just hunted you in the forest. I thought I was going to be able to tell you some good news. Nope. But no, <laughs> that is nope. that is a step beyond what I'm doing. Yep. Because my intention for the game is also to have a progression of moves mm -hmm. in the way that you have like adult moves and masks, adult moves in uh in Monster Hearts. Mm. Just that the moves you make at the beginning are different from the moves you make at the end. Mhm. Mm because when you start out, you can't punch Slenderman. But maybe you can do yeah. things that allow you to punch Slenderman later on. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, or deal with threats in other ways. Okay. Yeah, call the police. Call the police, yeah. <laughs> Why don't no, they no do that? A, no one in a, in a horror movie should ever be able to call the police. I wrote down as a basic move uh, for your game, try to slow your heart rate. Oh, that could be cool. That could be really cool, actually. Just that's a that's a freebie for you. That's a freebie. Well, yeah. I could see like a. I mean, there there definitely should be some kind of a stress currency. Mm -hmm. eh? 
Mm, how uh, amped are you? So, mo- so moving on into kind of like the next two things. The next <laughs> yeah. two things kind of go nicely together. Um, because you need to come up with your basic moves of the things you want your players to be able to do and the things that you want to be questions. Mm-hmm. And then you have to have, in all likelihood, some kind of currencies that connect those moves. Like team. Like team. Like team, influence, conditions, and potential are the four big currencies within masks. Mm-hmm. And so what you want to do is have moves that tie those things together. Yeah. Because that's really where a lot of the change in the mechanical part of the narrative is going, right? Masks is a good game because it hides those things. Yes. They, it doesn't... Like, if you had said, hey, how many basic moves are you? Like, I got pretty close yeah. because I happen to know how many moves there are per per like basic stat but yeah. i had to think about those um and if you had asked me how many currencies i would have probably said two okay i would not have thought about influence as a currency mm-hmm. but it is i would have yeah. thought team and and potential probably yeah. um and the fact that it's got all it's got basically twice as many as i had guessed is good because you want them to be there but subtle and, and you want them to not you want you don't want someone to sit down at your game necessarily and think, oh, God, there's so many currencies I'm going to have to, like, manage here. So much stuff I need to keep track of. Yeah. Um, because you don't want... Players mostly don't want to be paying attention to a bunch of things. That's why a lot of people, when they're playing D&D, don't pay attention to encumbrance. Yeah. Um, some people do, and more power to them. But if you start to look at how some of the moves work, they work and are cool because of how those interact. Um, mm-hmm. they're kind of hidden sometimes comforter support. It's the reason that there is a comforter support move is because that's an awesome thing for teen superheroes to do. And you're incentivized to do it because it says you'll clear a condition or mark potential or any of those things, mm-hmm. right? You'll fill up your, you'll fill up your bars and they'll be making you happy things. Defending someone is the same thing. The, it says you keep them safe and it's like, okay, yeah, that's theoretically where the move could end. You could make it, you could play mm-hmm. masks without any of these currencies, but nothing, nothing would get worse. Uh, yeah. And defend allows you to really have a mechanical thing to make things worse. And then an option for the players to kind of have like a little bit of an escape valve on that, right? So ha- once you have those, so you've got your move ideas, right? You've got your currencies and how they interact with each other. And then you go back to the basic moves. Because when you wrote the basic moves, you didn't know what your currencies were. Yeah. And ideally, you want to make sure that there's multiple ways to trigger all of your different currencies. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Because you need them to like... And you and you would probably want multiple... You said multiple different ways, but also multiple different like types of ways. Absolutely. Like things that cause them, things that clear them... Um, or things that change mm-hmm. them. Like, it's actually kind of almost surprising that there isn't a move that lets you, like, shift conditions mm, uh, yeah. in masks. Turn your turn your fear into anger kind of a thing. Then your anger into hate. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but you know what there is? There are There is a move that allows you to clear a condition on yourself. And there's a move that allows you to clear a condition on somebody else. Both options on a seven to nine. So there's like a consistent way to help somebody else, comfort mm-hmm. or support, or to help yourself defend. And so based on having the basic moves interacting with your currencies, 
that's when you start to get really the flow of the game happening and you start to get like, what does the role of this game look like? Mm -hmm. Masks, you get into situations, you mark conditions, uh, having those conditions marked helps you to mark potential because you have a minus on your rolls. And then you escape from the situation, either from help with your allies or by escaping the situation narratively. And so that's kind of like the shape of the game, right? And so the currencies essentially tell you what that shape looks like and choosing how to do that makes a huge difference in how the game will play. Mm -hmm. The way that you get experience is an enormous shaper of your play. Yeah. Apocalypse World, Monster Hearts, you're trying to hit, I think Monster of the Week also, you're trying to hit, you. oh no, Monster of the Week is based on failure. Yeah. Apocalypse World and Monster Hearts, you're trying to hit the things that people tell you to hit. They tell you, use this role and you use it. Dungeon World, Monster of the Week, you'll, you get your advancement on a, on a failed role. And so it encourages you to get into situations where you have to make rolls. And specifically, to get into situations where you have to make rolls and it might not go well. Mm -hmm. And so that kind of sets up where that is going. I don't want to list out the basic moves I have for this ARG game. Because yeah. I think that would be mad boring. Yeah, that's fine. But the currencies that I'm playing with currently mm -hmm. are... Stress, uh, some kind of a relationship like influence or leverage or stress or um, strings kind of thing. Um, I'm trying mm -hmm. to work out how to make that work because I'm not a huge fan of how strings work or how debts work. Debts kind yeah. of works because there's like four ancillary moves to it. Yeah. But like, I, I don't want that to be the whole thing. And advancement along basically move tracks where you start out with being new to the investigation and it, it you get moved along to use I don't want to just say darker moves because it isn't quite darker moves mm -hmm. but you start out very separate from what's happening and you get more and more deeply enmeshed in it which is kind of yeah. weird to say as a currency because it's kind of like it's sort of doing the innocent but more for everybody all the time yeah <laughs> uh, someone help me what am i doing um because i just need to write three sets of basic moves um but that is but part of it and when you're choosing genre, so like when you're choosing your currencies there yeah like there's there's a big difference between like strings or or like the um influence which are like interpersonal like they're not really necessarily positive or negative like yeah. the individual string description can be positive or negative yeah but then there's something like something like um potential which is like a, an objectively positive reward yeah definitely. Uh, for the most part like for the most except part. at some point you give up your character um more knives to juggle yeah um and then there are like negative things like mm -hmm. uh like the dooms um the dooms doom track is not exactly objectively bad but it's more objectively bad than say like the corruption track in, right. in urban shadows or what about conditions yeah conditions conditions are a negative are an objectively negative thing Ex with the exception of a couple mm -hmm. people who flip like like the um the nova flips it on its head when they yeah. when they burn 
but so how do you choose like which of those like because that also says something about your game like if your game doesn't have a negative currency yeah then it's a more positive uplifting game but if you're like or like something like urban shadows has the the like mostly positive um potential or, mm-hmm. or whatever they call it um and the sort of like semi or at least like more often than not corruption uh track which is which feels positive up until the moment when it's not um <laughs> Like how how, how are you balance balancing that, that out? I, I think a big part of that is is looking at what kind of story you want to be telling, right? Like yeah. and also paying attention to what it means to the players at the table. Yeah. So like I want to do a quick little aside, harm versus stress versus conditions. Because mm-hmm. they mean two they mean three very different things. Yeah. Stress is used in a whole bunch of things, and so I don't want to like list everything. It was in the Ashcan for Passion. Uh, it has since changed. Yeah. Uh, and I think people are going to really like the change when they see it. Um, but it doesn't suggest to you that your character is losing ability to do stuff. Right? Like, yeah, they're stressed. They're maybe really stressed, maybe really emotional. But in some ways, that's also a narrative excuse for you to up the tension during the game. Uh, Cartel, I think, does that extraordinarily well. That it says, hey, here's your stress track. If you fill your stress track, you're going to do something horrible. You can also mm-hmm. do something bad to avoid having to do something horrible. But when stress goes up, you get to act like the bad guy. And that's part of the appeal of cartel. Harm tends to be a more physical thing. Mm-hmm. It, you know, Apocalypse World has it. Monster Hearts has it. Uh, a bunch of other things have it. Dungeon World has it. Although Monster in HP, has it. Monster of the Week has it. Actually... Dungeon World doesn't have it. Dungeon World has HP, which is a different animal because it doesn't yeah. affect you. <laughs> it's, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, I gotcha. There, there are D&D podcasts that have spent three years talking about HP. Mm-hmm. Uh, but harm, Harry essentially. Potter. Harry Potter, yep. There's lots of D&D podcasts that talk about Harry Potter constantly. Yeah. Um, but harm essentially tells you what you narratively can't do anymore. Mm-hmm. And so it starts, instead of telling you, hey, this is permission to amp up your level of response, it's telling you, hey, can't this is a anymore. warning. You can't do mm-hmm. things anymore. Yeah. So those two things have different flavors. Yeah. yeah. Um, And conditions, I think, is more like stress, Yeah. except even more pointed. Uh, I, today, while playing Masks, was in a situation that someone rolled a six minus on a comforter support. And I was like, Hey, can I mark a condition and then react with it? Because I just needed narrative permission to freak out on them. And so yeah. like being able to say, I check off angry and now I'm going to freak out is, is great. <laughs> yeah. like, like it's, it's a objectively negative thing. It lowers your stats. It makes you worse, but it's also your, I mean, you sat down at the table wanting to be insecure and guilty and hopeless and afraid and angry. Yeah. Because <laughs> you said teenage superheroes. Yes, please. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's why I moved towards conditions for Passion also, is it's giving the player permission to play out those big emotions, right? Mm-hmm. So for for a game with a lot of combat, that you ha- like is your character going to die harm is really valuable 
because it reminds your players constantly you're going to die. Yeah. For games that are more about the interpersonal interactions, like, if ma- Masks has a harm variant that you can use, I'm not a fan of it, mm-hmm. because who cares? You know, like, yeah. that's not the point of Masks. No. In my opinion. Yeah, I got you. So that's how you kind of, like, choose those currencies. And, like, if you look at, like, leverage and strings and debts, those also have similar things. That debts are about getting someone to do a specific thing because they owe you a specific thing. Leverage is about a general feeling that they are above you socially. Strings are about having these little bits and pieces, these little tiny things that all add up into one massive debt, right? And I ultimately, for Passion, took out uh, influence because it became a thing that it was a that it was essentially a pressure release valve instead of being something that kept the drama going at full speed. Because if you have the option, owe someone like don't do something, but owe someone influence in the future, then that slows down the speed instead of escalating it. So, okay, so we're still really high up in this list of things. My, so. I did not think that we were going to go through the whole list in one go. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I don't even know if it's going to be valuable to do that. Especially because no. Basic Moves is listed ten times. Yeah, so actually what I was thinking is, because we're kind of like, yeah, we're, we're coming up on almost an hour here. Or close. Okay. Um, why don't we, so like, I think that the reason why, and I'm just going to guess... That the yeah. reason why you have basic moves here after every one of basically after basically basically uh, after every one of these things is that what you're kind of saying is here are these list of things that you're going to set you're going to come up with your GM principles your GM yeah. agendas your your uh, your playbook moves and that kind of that after every one of those things you should check back in with your basic moves and say Absolutely. are these still basic was this one really se- secretly like just one playbook and I realized half my other things or like now that mm-hmm. I've reevaluated my GM principles and agenda like oh maybe my true genre was wrong yeah uh, based off of these agendas and i really wanted to do something else so let's go back and look at the thing yeah definitely because so where where i see a lot of people getting into trouble with their basic moves not working is when is when they've started with the playbooks and then kind of like there's two possibilities that really i think throw people Mm -hmm. off and you can once you've read enough powered by the apocalypse games you can even start to see you can start to see where they messed it up. Yeah, by including assess the situation, clearly they made a mistake. Uh, well, no, but like clearly. you can see sometimes where moves that if you have a game that the playbook moves and the basic moves overlap all mm-hmm. over the place, that's because they wrote the playbooks first and then they yeah. wrote the basic moves. If you have a game where the basic moves are better than the playbook moves, but don't overlap. Like they're objectively better. They help the player more mm-hmm. choosing to use a playbook move is worse for you. Then they didn't come back and reassess their basic moves. Yeah. And so like you start to see the shape of the design hidden matrix style behind the regular uh. design. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so like going back to the basic moves, I think is the number one mistake that people make is that people think okay i've got my basic moves check done yeah and like for passion i i'm not perfect i'm not a perfect designer i'm not necessarily even making a great game i have no idea how this is going to fully turn out <laughs> i'm very happy with it i love passion yeah. yeah uh but 
if I went with my original basic moves, this game would never work properly. Hmm. And it's like, I have had five different versions of how to approach Lion in the game. That's hard, though. It like, sucks. <laughs> that's a that's a that's not like how do I what's a, what's the basic move for like hitting someone? Yeah. Lying is like a much more complex thing. Yeah, and and it started out that I had no basic move for lying because I didn't think of it. Which, oh, what is wrong with me that I didn't think <laughs> about lying? On the fly, I wrote a basic move for lying. It wasn't very good, but I went with it. Then I went back and yeah. I was like, no, no, no. Where the rubber hits the road isn't when someone lies because people lie in telenovelas all the time. It's mm-hmm. when someone calls you on lying. Yeah. And then that didn't cover certain situations. And so I went, okay, okay, pull it back, pull it back. Only make it this. Only make it if you're begging someone to believe you. Nope, that doesn't work. Mm. Only keep this other option. Nope, that doesn't work. <laughs> These three options. Now I have like 10 basic moves and three of them are lying and I do not want that. This is hell. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, four basic moves. Four right. basic moves. Four. Three of them, three are, of about them lying. are about lying. <laughs> <laughs> One of them is about punching. Yeah. Perfect. It's a telenovela. Game Done. accomplished. <laughs> when you throw wine in their face. <laughs> yeah. It's it's never physical. Only liquid contact. Only liquid. <laughs> uh, maybe maybe not liquid. <laughs> Drink contact. Uh, <laughs> um. But like the only reason I was able to do that is because I kept going back to basic moves. Yeah. And like I would find, hey, I made a playbook move. It does this cool thing. And then I would go back and look at the basic moves and go, oh, I added <laughs> an extra option to a thing you don't choose options from. Oh, uh, no. Can't do that. And oh, so going choosing, back and basically, at like playbook moves that add extra options yeah. is one of my favorite oh, types of, of playbook moves. That is so good. James, I'm so excited for you to see the next version of Facion. Nice. Because I'm doing a lot of of those. I'm doing a lot of add questions to moves. I'm pumped. Yeah. My favorite, my favorite is uh, the delinquent's criminal mind. Mm, which yeah. Just, it changes, assess the situation, adds like, mm, what could I steal here? Yeah. I think I think that is a kind of move that is undervalued. I, I would love so to good. see, I would love to see a game that like, that you fill in a lot of the options on your basic move sheet mm-hmm. based on your playbook. Yeah. So like maybe if you could make I wonder if you could make a whole masks playbook that was just I mean, this is kind of what the innocent does. Or no, that's the innocent. It's kind of what the um yeah, the innocent, isn't it? Isn't the innocent where like it replaces you, basic you, moves. It replaces basic moves. Yeah. But uh, but like a whole but sort of like that, but a whole playbook that is just altering or uh changing slightly the regular basic moves. So you don't gain any moves. You're just basic moving all the time, but they're very different because you've added options and stuff. I think you totally could. I think even more so you could make a game that does that. Yeah. And like there is a possibility that that's what I'm going for with the uh with some of what I'm doing with this game. Yeah. Because I have recently started to go like, oh, games where you cut up piece of paper and tape pieces of paper to other pieces of paper <laughs> and it looks like a sloppy mess. Uh, like, I, I love any chance that, like, there are some Dungeon World Compendium classes that have you do things like rip off a piece of the basic moves list or rip off a piece of your playbook and stuff like that. And I love that stuff. It's mm. so cool. Hmm. Yeah. 
Partially because okay. I've been playing uh, pen. I've been playing some Pandemic Legacy and having things where it's like put this sticker on is so yeah. rad. Yeah. So okay, so I wanted to just because we're still like we're closing in on the end here. I think yeah, we got five have, spaces in. Oh <laughs> yeah, I want to have one quick. Uh, maybe we can hit some of the end here too uh, sure. with this question. But I want to ask. So this is all about um, making a game. Yeah. So let's say we're coming at this from a different angle. Okay. You're making a playbook for a game. Ah, okay. Because like I have been working. <laughs> Uh, on a playbook for masks uh, in that I once had an idea and haven't thought about it since, um, which is not true. I've done a little, a little, little, little bit of work. Um, We're being so mean to ourselves today. It's fine. Uh, so how does this play into something like that? Because this is, again, ostensibly a podcast about hacking. Um, and so, like, I, I imagine the, like, how, like, so, okay, how do you go about like we when we when we started this podcast like or when we, when like this episode yeah we, you went through and rattled off like okay uh, urban shadows is really about gentrification yeah. and monster hearts is really about like queerness and yeah. and all these things like how do you go about identifying those things because obviously if when you're making your game those things affect you, the basic moves and playbook moves yeah. and stuff. So if you're making a playbook for a game that already exists, it has mm. a, a true genre in theory. Yeah. How would you go about identifying that kind of a thing? Oh, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. I think that there's some things you can do in terms of getting what the author tells you, mm-hmm. because a lot of the books will tell you like urban shadows is, pretty upfront about it being a game that talks about gentrification a lot. Monster Hearts is super upfront about it being about identifying your identity and and yeah. being about queer expression and everything like that. And so reading the GM sections of the books can sometimes give you some of that. But additionally, I think listening to the authors talking about what they've done and why they've done it on different podcasts can be super useful as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Um, interview podcasters amazing for that i would add um every time they release a new playbook for masks and just Mm. in the core book too there is always a little section in the book that says like how to gm for this class or like or like what like like, masks specifically says like if you have this playbook like Mm -hmm. these are the types of bad guys and plots you should put into your story because they'll jive the best and like here's how you should like poke their buttons because these are the kinds of things that are going to piss this character off and and that's like a kind of good storytelling. Yeah. And and those things have helped me a lot. And that's something that's missing from a ton of hacks of games and a bunch of like yeah. playbooks is like lots of times I'll read a playbook that somebody else has made and I'm like, oh, this is really cool. I don't know what to do with it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which is which is like, you know, that is fine. You It is permissible to make hacks that require homework. Uh, not everything has to be like fully modulized. Mm-hmm. Um. But, but having I that think, little that little section that chapter yeah uh, is helpful yeah definitely and I think the writing one of your own is super helpful mm-hmm. and I think reading the ones that exist already is super helpful mm-hmm. 
I would almost go so far as, so like if I pull that up real quick, behind the masks. So yeah, the behind the masks section, like it goes through and says like, for the beacon, here are the four bullet points of things. Like draw their attention, draw attention to their inadequacies, praise their best traits, make them pay for their audacity, uh, compare them to others, play to their drives. And and it's just like a paragraph that goes through like the things that are going to like tweak them. And I think you could almost start with that because it doesn't talk about the mechanics. It's just getting at the tr- like as as much as like mm. a playbook has its own true genre mm-hmm. absolutely that's kind of what it's getting at and so you're like laying that out yeah and i think that i mean i think that in a way that the playbooks have a ton of genre of their own like we've talked about how if you play with the wrong or the right group of playbooks in masks you're gonna tell a sad story yeah and that's because not because it's like the sad bowl yeah. But because the questions in the bowl lead you to <laughs> Welcome to Stop Back and Roll, episode 56, where we just drag everybody <laughs> ourselves primarily. And it's like, okay, that that'll be okay. If you put that with the transformed and the doomed, you're gonna tell a sad story. And that's yeah. also okay. But like looking at what kind of story the playbook you're writing should produce mm-hmm. makes a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah, I think coming up with those like those four bullet points of like what should the the GM be doing to like really like trigger your your that playbook into like its best moments. I think having that first is something like I think that's that's a thing that I should do for my wielder playbook because I have been a little stalled on like coming up with what the moves are for that. Yeah. And and like and and uh and I think that writing that down would be good. I think that could be a really good idea to kind of get you kicking off in the right direction with it. Yeah. Uh, sometime we're going to have to revisit this list and keep moving down it. Yeah. Yeah. The part of me wonders if the way to do this kind of breakdown Mm -hmm. is to, I don't want to do this because it would be so much work, but to like (laughs) really do every step in a format that people can follow along with. Maybe we need like a brief stop, hack and roll video series where we make a game bit by bit at our own speed. Or a podcast series. Yeah. Or we just like check in on it at the end of every episode. Yeah, that's true. Like five episodes or something like that. That could, that could be an interesting way to do it as well. Hmm. Check in corner on this game. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, maybe next week or next in two weeks from now, we'll have another check-in and we'll cover another couple things yeah, I can as tell you're moving what, through your uh, your horror game. Yeah, I can tell you, hopefully at that point, what the basic moves are, what some of my currencies are, mm-hmm. uh, and move on from there and we'll see what happens with it. So, mm-hmm. um, I guess, re- hit us up on Twitter. Talk to us <laughs> about your true genre oh. uh, and the true genre of our podcast, which is uh, Throw in Shade at Masks. Uh, no. <laughs> I think the true uh, genre of our podcast is throwing shade in general. In general. Uh, and you can do that by finding us on Twitter at Stop, Hack, and Roll, or me individually at And the Meltdowns. Or me at, at Dr. Captain Cobalt. You can find all of our episodes, links to some of the games we've been working on, and a little bit of other stuff at www.stophackandroll.com. You can email us, if that is more your speed, at James or Brandon at Stop, Hack, and Roll. If you would like to support the show and help other people find it, uh, go ahead and hop on iTunes and give us a rating and review. Uh, there, 
those really help people to find the show. It changes the algorithms. It makes it so if they're looking up other stuff and not ours, they find ours by accident. And that's mm-hmm. really what we want is accidental downloads. Yeah. Because they'll get sucked in. Yeah, they'll, they'll be hooked. That's the true genre of our show. Um, and we make this podcast and all of our other podcasts with the support of our Patreon backers. Backers like Robert Kosick, Matthew Marquez, Da Fool Dude, Randy Lubin, Michael Bowman, Benj, Izzy Sanders, Jimmy Rogers, Akisome, and Patrick Lindsay. Thank you guys so much. If you'd like to help support this show and future shows, check us out at patreon.com slash stop hack and roll. If you can't support us financially, that's totally fine. Um, more than the financial support, we want the community support. Come join our community. Be part of it. We pull out of episodes from conversations that start in the Discord. We talk to people on Twitter. I come up with new. I come up with a new idea for a game I'll never make every week on Twitter by talking to people. <laughs> um, and and so you can join that community by tweeting at us or reaching out to us or joining our Discord. Um, there's a lot of cool stuff that happens there. People play games of masks. Uh, whole games have been bo- born and created, and then and then. Pe- kickstarted and then died uh and then oh. died yeah. no kickstarted not death <laughs> um kickstarter is death and so you can do that by finding us at tinyurl.com slash shr discord or going to discord.stopbackandroll.com just as like a last thing i also want to say a lot of the idea on kind of the way this list came together uh came to me with the help of brendan conway over at magpie games uh, he's been helping me out a ton with Passion and through some of the coaching from Mark Diaz Truman. And I just want to bring them up right now because Brendan actually has a game kickstarting on Kickstarter <laughs> where yeah. most people kickstart their games yeah. right now. Um, it's a super smooth looking game. It's called Zombie World. I really suggest checking it out. And if you do uh, and you weren't going to check it out before, uh, let them know that Brandon sent you. Yeah. I don't think that right. actually will change or benefit anything for me. Brandon just, or Brendan. Brendan or Brendan. And, and so go check out their Kickstarter. And, um, oh, um, so check out their Kickstarter and then rework your basic moves. And <laughs> then um, tweet at Brendan Conway that he has too many basic moves. And then rewrite <laughs> your basic moves. And then after you've written your basic moves a couple more times, uh, don't forget to stop, hack, and roll. Currency's boat size. Okay, we're gonna yeah. need a bigger one. We're gonna need a bigger boat. I, I initially hey. I threw down uh, explosive barrels on there too. Okay, okay. But <laughs> I backed off of that one. I was. I feel sure. like harm is maybe is maybe a currency. Mm, yeah. No, I don't think so. No <laughs> conditions. No. Characters. No. No. Sharks are indestructible, emotionless killing machines. Oh, the the. Well, game. you don't play the sharks though. Oh, I thought you played as the sharks. No, 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 no. You're playing okay. as the people who are hunting the sharks. Oh, Why would okay. sharks have a basic move of kill a shark? Because <laughs> a shark came up acting a fool. I guess that's true. <laughs>